Welcome to episode two of Pouring My Art Out. What is art? Where we ask the question, what the heck is art anyway? But before we get started, I have a confession to make. I was originally going to name this podcast Art in Words. In true Arthur style, I didn't bother to check if the name was taken before I recorded most of the first episode. It was... In fact, it is a podcast where a guy describes great works of art to people who have vision challenges, which sounds way more important than what I'm doing here. I had to re-edit some parts of episode one, and since I was planning on tying this to my blog, or a new blog, it works out. I already own the domain name for pouring my art out, and that is the name of my blog too, only without the spaces between the words. The plan is that I can do blog posts that tie in with podcasts so I can show you photos of my wood carvings as I talk about them or post pictures of me at my blacksmithing class or my glass blowing class and then pictures of whatever I have made. I suppose you could even look at the blog on one device while you listen to the appropriate podcast episode on another. We will figure it all out. But fair warning. I do a lot of mean Photoshop stuff of Donald Trump, so if you are a fan of the president, don't go poking around the blog too much. And I have one more confession to make. I was contacted by a company who wants to do an advertisement on my podcast. I know it sucks that I'm selling out already, but how can I pass this up? In fact, their representative is supposed to call me right about now so we can work out the details. I hope we... Sorry about that. Did I mention that I changed my ringtone into uh, Jimmy the Crack Squirrel? Yes, it's Jimmy the Crack Squirrel. It's now my new ringtone. Okay. Hello? Hello. Oh, wait. It is the owner of the company. Let me put it on speaker. Hold on. Okay. Hello? Hello. Hello. My name is Hootenanna B. Flubber Biscuits. Owner and general manager of Bootanana P. Flubber Biscuits Incorporated. If your biscuits are bland and dry, try Hootenana P. Flubber Biscuits, the tastiest, flakiest biscuits in town. Hi, this is Arthur. Well, sir, you certainly waste no time selling your product. Do you have a jingle we can use? Hootin' and a pee, hootin' and a pee, hootin' and a pee, flubble biscuits. Try hootin' and a pee, hootin' and a pee, hootin' and a pee, flubble biscuits. There. Oh, uh, I thought maybe a professionally recorded wave or MP3 file that. I don't know nothing about none of your technological tomfoolery and flim flammery. I do things the old fashioned way. Well, music would really punch it up a little. Well, I got one here that my kid played drums on. Let me see if I can get this dang thing to work. Try hootin' and a pee, hootin' and a pee, hootin' and a pee, flub of biscuits. Try hootin' and a pee, Hootin' and a pee, try hootin' and a pee, flubber biscuits. 
Very professional, sir. Your child obviously has some uh, technological know-how. I have ten kids. Shindig, Hoedown, Suarez, Jamboree, Cotillion, Luau, Gala, Rave, Bash, and Little Bobby. Bobby? Yeah, Little Bobby. Little Bobby Q Flubber Biscuits. And those kids don't know nothing. Ah, I see. Well, sir, since you mentioned something about paying me in bulk shipments of flubber biscuits, perhaps you could tell us what's in them. They're biscuits, son. Ain't no flubber in them, if that's what you're worried about. Just a name. We settled in Louisiana, but originally my family comes from the Loire Valley in France. It used to be pronounced Flubert Biscuit. Okay, thank you very much, sir. I look forward to trying your biscuits. Now, back to the podcast. So, what the heck is art, exactly? Like so many of the best questions, this is both easy and impossible to answer. Questions like, what is love? What is the meaning of life? And what is really going on with Donald Trump's hair? I'm not claiming to have answers to the first question, neither simple nor complex. But we can talk about it and think about it and maybe come up with some more good questions all while having some fun. The obvious place to look for answers or questions about art is way back at the very beginning where our early ancestors painted pictures on the walls of caves. Were these cave paintings art? I mean, yeah, they were paintings on walls. That sure sounds like art. But much mental energy has been expended by many people with fancy job titles trying to establish the deeper meaning behind these creations. This is mostly because people with fancy job titles need to find meaning in things if they want to get paid. All we really know for sure is that at some point thousands of years ago, a caveman... Wait, is that culturally insensitive? A cave person? A domicile-deprived prehistoric human? A pre-external dwelling hominid? He was a man. He lived in a cave. So anyway, this guy painted the very first work of art. It has been speculated that the paintings are symbolic tributes to the spirits of the animals that gave meat for sustenance and skins for warmth. While it is true that many early peoples revered the animals they hunted and which with they coexisted, admiring their swiftness or strength and taking them as their symbols, that doesn't necessarily mean that the spiritual bonding initiated the first cave paintings. Maybe the guy just really liked horses. I really like horses. Maybe he went around telling his friends that he dreamed of leaping onto a horse's back and clinging to it while it raced through the forest. Imagine the looks that guy got, if they only knew. Which brings up an interesting point. You know how artistic creativity often runs through family bloodlines? Maybe all of us artsy types are all descendants of some guy who was bored, sick of looking at a blank cave wall, and really thought horses were adorable. A little charcoal from a burnt stick, some berry juice for color, and art was born. Fast forward to the early civilizations, your Babylonians and Egyptians and so on. Art definitely ended up being closely tied to religion. Egypt was, and still is, crawling with statues and wall-to-wall paintings, almost all of it devoted to showing the forms of the gods or telling stories about the gods or proclaiming that the rulers were descended from the gods. Gods and religions led to the idea of an afterlife, which led to the art of embalming, making fancy sarcophagi, and mummy face painting. 
And we ended up with the pyramids, those monuments to simple functional artistic design and monumental egotism in the form of my tomb is bigger than your tomb one-upmanship. Until and including the present day, religion is vied with one other subject as the quintessential driver of the creation of the most art. And that other thing? Nudity, of course. The human form. I recently visited my older daughter and her husband in New York. On a rainy day, I went with my son-in-law to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to see an arms and armor exhibit. Yes, swords, guns, axes, and armor can be art. At some point in our visit, I thought it would be funny to take pictures of all the penises I could find in paintings and on statues. It started off as a harmless thing where I noticed that there was a little uh, statue, a carving of a cherub, and it just had this tiny little nub. And I was thinking, you know, somebody had to carve and polish that nub. Well, I had my real camera with me, not just my cell phone. It amused me to drag my son-in-law around this huge museum as I photographed historic artistic junk. Well, I knew that my blog followers, who are used to my antics, would appreciate a few posts featuring stone and painted dick pics with no context whatsoever. Also, a part of me wanted to see how long it would take the security people to get nervous and ask me to leave. You can still see the pictures on my blog at pouringmyartout.com if you are so inclined. Anyway, where was I? Oh, right. Art through the ages. So the Renaissance came along and art exploded. Sure, there was art in the Dark Ages, but the lighting wasn't very good, so it was mostly depressingly dark subject matter. In the Renaissance, it seemed as if everyone was chiseling away at some marble or slapping a mural on a chapel ceiling, you know, between bouts of the plague and interminable wars. Of course, this led to lots of paintings of famous battles and statues of famous warriors. This big bang of artistic creation spread like a baby universe. New mediums and styles flashed into existence like stars, burnt bright, faded, and were replaced by the next fad. Modernism, cubism, pointillism, surrealism, expressionism, and abstractism. Okay, that last one isn't a real word, but I was on a roll with those isms. Frankly, it got out of hand. The next thing you know, we end up with a bunch of cartoony pictures of soup cans and a guy who made miles-long fence out of plastic and wrapped an island in saran wrap. I was at the MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art, in San Francisco years ago, and among the other modern art on display was a bunch of old newspapers tied in bundles with brown twine and stacked into a knee-high pile. Is that art or just recycling? I have seen good art and I have seen bad art, but I don't know what makes one piece of art popular, and neither does anybody else. I have seen the Mona Lisa in the Louvre in Paris. It is tiny. What makes it capture our attention? Is it the painting, the style, or the model herself? What makes one work of art a masterpiece? Is it a collective unspoken agreement? How much is due to the supposed art experts telling us that something is a masterpiece? And why, for crying out loud, is there even such a thing as an art critic? I don't need some self-deluded expert to tell me a flower is beautiful or that one rose is somehow a masterpiece while another rose is just a rose. We don't limit this to art, either. We have experts at dog shows telling us which dog is better, and wine experts, and the critic to tell us what movies are best. How did we let this happen? Snooty people in an art gallery discussing what an artist was trying to express what he was really trying to say with his one dot of purple paint on a black canvas. It has become a cliché, but why are we so fascinated with some art? Why does some art leave us cold? And what makes us want to create things other than selling them for financial advancement? How do we determine the value of a work of art? 
What is the intrinsic value of all art to mankind as a whole? If the world was going to be hit by an asteroid in a few days and we could preserve only a small portion of things that we have made, I think that most people would opt to save some of the great works of art and literature and not piles of treasure. We know on some deep level that these are the greatest things we have achieved, and yet the vast majority of artists can't make a living wage off their creations. Money and art. Yeah, I need to do a whole episode about that. Hey, 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 Arthur. It's me, Jimmy. Oh, hey, Jimmy. Um, trying to do a podcast here. I know, and you're linking it to the blog. We think you should call it a blogcast. Well, that's not too bad of an idea. Well, Frank said blogcast, and Maggie likes podblast. There were a lot of suggestions. Exactly how many crack squirrels live inside my head, anyway? Don't worry about it, man. The number varies significantly. Oh, okay, um... Hey, Arthur, Arthur, wanna hear a joke? Sure, I guess. How many apple strudels can a German kid eat before he just has to say no? Uh... Nine! Get it? Okay, I gotta do this podcast, Jimmy. Hey, we got stuff to do besides help you think of stuff, too. Like what, exactly? Making sweet, sweet crack squirrel love. That's why the number fluctuates wildly. Because we fluctuate wildly. Bye, people. Okay, I wish you guys would go back to just whispering directly into my ear canal so at least I feel like I'm making up my own jokes. Talk to you later, Jimmy. Why are some of us so driven to create art? Why can some of us sing and others can't? Why do shy people go into acting and comedy? Where do these urges to create come from? No other animal does anything remotely artistic unless you count a few types of birds and fish that make fancy nests to attract mates. Maybe, as has been said by a great psychiatrist, it really is all about sex. Our caveman friend of cave painting fame might not be a great hunter. He can't impress the cave ladies with a cave bear rug, but he figures out he can draw. Next thing you know, our Paleolithic painter is inventing the Cro-Magnon version of Would you like to come up to my room and see my etchings? And hey, while we're there, maybe I can paint a picture of you. How do you feel about posing nude? And speaking of sex, as I write this, the second episode of my podcast, by hand, on my lunch break at my job as a private security officer. Yes, I have a job. I told you I don't make much money selling my books or any of my other art. And I have a kid in college studying medicine. I can't help but wonder, was it good for you, too? The podcast, I mean. Like sex, I think this will work better if we both participate. As I get the podcast up and running, I will be linking to my blog or a new blog made just for this purpose. I will have ways for you to contact me with suggestions and comments, presumably. Maybe I will have a live call-in episode. I don't know how any of this works yet, and remember, I am a technological moron. I do know that I want to please you as well as myself. I am not a selfish podcaster. Also, as long as we are on the subject of sex and podcasting, I have now mentioned sex and penises in this podcast. Am I going to get a parental advisory and adults-only warning? I want this to be as family-friendly as the crack squirrels in my cranium will let it be.